What's up, guys, and welcome back to Perpetually Correct, presented by Sensibly Loud Media. This is your one-stop shop for all things sports. I am your host, J-Mac, joined by JB. JB, what's going on, man? J-Mac, nice to be back in the studios here at SLM, and we're excited about a new show for you guys. Uh, As you probably got used to our scolding football takes, we wanted to open up the realm of sports to you guys now that we have you know, uh, pretty much every major sport going on if you want to include the NFL draft around the corner. So uh, it's going to be fun to get some questions from you guys, but more to discuss what's currently going on and what we see happening in the future across uh, all the major sports and maybe some uh, maybe some cricket talk too. I, I don't know. Maybe that works itself in. I, I'm not sure if we have some delinquent fans up at 2 a.m. watching India cricket. It'll just depend on whether it's a slow week or not, but I feel like you know, someone like Grenovo may cover. We'll see. We'll figure yeah. it out. But yeah, no, this is going to be a little bit different of a show than we've ever done. We have, uh, we already have baseball, basketball, and you know, we had football up until this past year. We decided to dissolve that show and kind of merge it into this show. So uh, this show will kind of take the place of actual specific football talk. But as football gets there, we're going to start talking about it. Uh, you know, kind of as the season starts, and and we'll just kind of use this avenue for it. But the thing was, what we ended up running into a lot was that. There were so many bigger issues in football specifically, but then it got even broader whenever we started thinking about it into bigger issues for just sports all around, like baseball, for example. You're not a host on the baseball show, but there's still a lot of big things in baseball that we want to talk about, and they may not be the X's and O's on the field necessarily, but they're still big things and big stories, and that includes the NBA, the NHL. I mean, really anything in between. We're going to be talking about it, so I'm really excited for this. It's going to be a very different pace show, uh, but a very. I think it's going to be something that we can dive in deeper, and I'm excited for that. Absolutely, and I think the the fans will enjoy. You know, we're going to look for some you know, weekly guests for you guys. You know, from the other shows we have, and outside of that too, and. Uh, it's always a fun time whenever we can dive deeper into sports like golf and the Masters that we have on the horizon. And I know it's been a slow start on the baseball season for a lot of teams around, so we're going to dive into that. Uh, and also looking at playoffs. you got NBA, NHL, and I don't know about you, if, if you've ever gotten an NHL playoff run as a team, it's one of the most exciting things to watch when you're watching seven games of guys banging on each other, hitting heads, talking trash there's nothing like the nhl playoffs and uh so we're gonna dive right into it and see across the league so jmac where have you looked at uh this week what are we running down well so let's start i mean i think that's a natural uh segue there let's talk about the nhl playoffs so let me ask you this are you a big regular season nhl guy absolutely not me neither I, i mean in i've said it before probably off air in the studios there I kind of think NHL and NBA the same. You can probably pencil in about 50% of the teams, if not more, probably in the NBA, who you know is going to be in the playoffs. So it's kind of hard for me to get up for, you know, leagues where guys are resting a lot during the season. You know, it's a 80-plus games. The top teams have already been decided before the year starts. But as we've seen already, a, a quick, quick little uh, series so far has been the Columbus Blue Jackets upsetting the best team in the NHL up two games to nil on the road versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's what you get with the NHL playoffs is teams that, you know, snuck right in maybe up to the last week weren't even in the playoffs and then snuck right in and now they're contending up two to nothing versus the top team in the NHL. And that's what makes it so exciting. And you're seeing these guys talking smack, 
across the ice, and then they get into the fight. What other sport can you just bang the other guy's head into the glass yeah. and just have a five-minute penalty and come back out? I mean, what other sport has that? <laughs> Not so many so far. I feel like – so remind me, is the first round a best of five or best of seven? So best of seven, and, oh. and that's what makes this – incredible because i believe it almost stretches to three full month run because you have obviously four total rounds through the stanley cup to to get there so seven games you're probably looking at about two and a half weeks each and then you know like every sport they try to stretch it out as far as possible um and so a seven game series i mean you talk about potentially playing an extra 20 plus games a year for these guys that's a that's a lot of uh, (laughs) that's a lot on the body just like MLB when you're seeing these guys throwing a hundred extra innings maybe through the playoffs. So, well, that's probably an exaggeration, but yeah, um, it, it, it's mean, very man. much exciting. And I know your team, Boston Bruins, are in it here in Dallas. We got the Dallas Stars game two tonight versus the Preds. So, I've been overwhelmed with this this sports week between now four plus games tonight in the NHL and basketball starting tonight. I mean. What more can we ask for? I absolutely agree. I think the one thing about the seven-game series is that we were talking about this on the the basketball show the other day, too. The good thing about the seven-game series is you almost always get the correct winner out of that. There isn't any any of this, like the tournament stuff where, you know, teams make it where they shouldn't and all that kind of thing. No matter what sport it is, it feels like you always get the the right result, and that's good, too. I feel like that's a big, big plus. And I'd agree with that, and that probably goes right into what I was mentioning there earlier with the Columbus Blue Jackets up two games to nothing on, you know, the best team in the NHL in the regular season, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. You know, they're still seven-game series. It was a five-game series. You're, you're probably going, well, they're going to probably win one out of three. But uh, And that's that's where you see the excitement. And the last year's champion, Washington Capitals, you know, they were down two nothing to the same Columbus Blue Jackets and folks were writing them off. Then they came back, won that series, and vaulted them right into the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, the momentum in NHL, I think, is the strongest maybe compared to any other sport because, you know, when you're looking at the basketball playoffs, you can have an off night easily. Uh, You know, I'm not sure momentum is as strong in the NBA just because of how easy it is to be off. Well, you know, the NHL, I mean, it's just the scoring is at such a lower rate that when – you have that team firing in all cylinders, it really can carry over to a greater extent. So, um, you know, tonight's docket's full in the NHL, and we'll kind of dive deeper as it continues to form out. You know, 16 teams, uh, pretty pretty normal format, obviously. Um, but, you know, this first round is just heavy, full of games, and we're only one deep. So, And I know we have a re- uh, resident hockey writer that we may need to bring on here yeah. to get his take on, you know, what we've seen. Yeah, we'll have to pull Duster Dan in here for sure. He'll... He'll be weighing in, especially as we get more towards the end of the playoffs and stuff. One thing I was just looking at, the Bruins are favored by one and a half tonight. That's crazy. Well, yeah, they're at home. So, uh, you know, they lost game one uh, versus the Leafs. So it's a big, big rebound here that they need tonight. You never want to go down 2 nothing, especially when it's two home games. So I definitely think the Bruins, one of the better teams in the NHL, uh, certainly will find a way to put them away tonight. And you know, Tuka Rask, their goaltender, is certainly a phenomenal uh, cat there that they have between the pipes. And uh, Boston is just a fun team to watch. What a hockey town. I, I would yeah. say I'm not sure if you've got to spend any time, you know, going there. But, I mean, oh, yeah. you talk about the town just rallying behind it. I think it's a terrific town to watch hockey in and, 
just people seem to really gravitate when their teams are making deep runs in the NHL. New England goes Patriots, Bruins, Red Sox, always. It's just how so it's why uh, and you know why 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 do you think that is in a town? Let's just remove it from Boston. Mm-hmm. How do you think a town sense that hierarchy? Is it is it from maybe early on, like let's say back in the fifties when a team was great? Because I would say you know in Dallas here, obviously the Cowboys are way up there. Sure, and I would say that probably stems from their success so much early in the franchise. Where do you how do you think cities build that hierarchy? It's really tough, man, because like the Red Sox, for instance, were so irrelevant for so long. I think that has a big part of it. Right. But so are the Patriots. So like yeah. it's hard to it's hard to say, but I feel like the what it comes down to with the Red Sox and what puts them in third place versus like the Bruins or sure. uh, the Patriots is simply that they've won a lot in the last like fifteen years. And that starts to like there's something about especially in New England particularly, there's this like chip on the shoulder if you haven't noticed that by knowing me for long enough at this point (laughs) there's this chip on the shoulder type mentality where it's almost like someone needs to slight you or tell you that you're going to be counted out for it to work and then on top of that with hockey i feel like hockey is just so much bigger in the north in general that sure it just makes a lot more sense and I, i just feel like people are so fired up about it it's always been that way though yeah, and I would agree with your comment on you know a little bit more north, especially Toronto or the Canadian. All the Canadian teams, you got Montreal, uh, Toronto, Winnipeg. I think when you see these teams, I mean these towns, you know, don't necessarily have a, a direct NFL or direct baseball team outside of Toronto. And I, to your point, I think it creates this ability for for towns, you know, who only have one or two major sports teams to really rally behind them and. Uh, you know, you've probably seen that in the Seattle Seahawks, of course. You know, they have the Mariners as well. but And that's a team that's getting an NHL uh, team back to them. And I know you've been a big component about bringing basketball back to Seattle. And I think it'd be interesting to see how the town would react from going from two major sports teams to suddenly having four. I mean, that's a that's a huge get, especially for, you know, towns like, you know, let's say San Antonio and the Spurs. I mean, look at that fan base. I, I don't think I've ever met a m- more loyal fan base uh, than the San Antonio Spurs. So it's interesting to see uh, when you dive deep into you know t- towns with one or two teams. Yeah, see, uh, Seattle, uh, San Antonio's fan base is so rabid, but there's so much to rally behind there, I think. And that that's all the difference in the world. And when you had superstars like Tim Duncan and – you know, Tony Parker, all those guys for so long, it it starts as a bandwagon thing, but then it really grows into, you know, kind of a bigger picture fan base. Did you see that Seattle's thinking about naming their uh, team the Kraken? I saw that, and I, I was able to see um, actually our friends out west in uh, Vegas. They, they released, you know, the top name options that you can uh, take a gander at, and kind of interesting that the names that came across and i mean i guess i'm not sure maybe you can help me out why does that relate to seattle in any way i I could be lost here dude all all i can tell you is that if i saw a kraken which is a gigantic violent octopus i'd be up the hell out of there oh me too and it's funny because when you say kraken the first thing i think about is i've got a family fantasy football league and uh, one of my uncles was always named the kraken so that's the first thing I think of, and maybe other folks can relate to having a 
a team name like that or of the such. But did he spell it? I don't know. It, it, I don't know if it just because it's new, but it hits me in the wrong way. I'm like, I don't know if I want that as a professional team name. Google the uh, just images of it, just K R A K E N. Just okay. Google that, and I think you'll change your mind pretty fast. I feel like I did because I felt the same way you did when I first heard it. But then the more I thought about it, I mean, what what else is there? You know, like I know there are a lot of different options and stuff out there, but like ultimately, you kind of have to get a little bit abstract with this, right? I guess so I, so I looked it up. Don't look this up while you're driving, folks. Don't do that. Nope. Uh, look it up when you're home listening. Um, but the first thing I think of is, what was it, Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. Doesn't, like, one of the characters or a couple of the characters look like that? So <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe the Seattle board, they were all sitting there and watching Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, Damn it, this is perfect. This is Let's the one. Let's the Kraken. Yes. Yeah, oh, they haven't goodness. decided on it finally yet, but that's where they're leaning, it sounds like. Interesting. Well, yeah, and to you know, finish up on the NHL, I don't want the Canadian fans yelling at us. We don't want to upset them. I did leave off the Calgary Flames versus that list when I was naming off teams. So, mm-hmm. and Calgary is very much in the hunt here. Um, I'm going to say right now, Calgary Flames is my pick to win the NHL Stanley Cup. Don't don't freak out at me if you're the other 15 teams. It's just a just a hot take coming here from SLM. Um, I'm assuming JMac, are you picking Boston to win it all? I think so. I I got to see how they bounce back in this game tonight. So we'll see. I'll have money on the game tonight. I'm sure. I'm sure you will too. Um, we'll see how it goes. But absolutely. Got, but there there's some other interesting matchups too. The one other one that's kind of intrigued me is just the Islanders run. I mean, sure. losing John Tavares was so huge for them last year. But they don't seem to have missed much of a beat. They played really well. But we are talking about the Islanders here. So uh, I don't typically pull for New York teams, but it's sort of the underdog story. I feel like. the momentum in NHL and being able to kind of rally around each other more than you can maybe in an, un, another sport. And sorry, I just got a notification is my internet is unstable. So I that's think the storm is not helping me just FYI. No, you're good. Uh, so if you lose me, that's why. Um, but, and so I think it's a team that's just, Hey, let's rally around that. We don't have them, you know, screw it. Let's beat them anyway. Um, so let, let's see what we can do. They beat the Gwens two games up. I mean, what a, what a terrific run. And, you know, New York would be nice to see see them make a run. Major markets always help, you know, kind of the steam. So not New York. <laughs> New York. Mm-hmm. Um, well, bouncing from that, J Mac, we have the NBA tip off tonight for the playoffs. Um, obviously, you know, we have the Milwaukee Bucks have a fantastic regular season. You talk about just an absolute, you know, you do not want to face the Milwaukee Bucks. No. And I'll say this, and I need your take because you watch the NBA much more than I do. Now, when I've seen in the past NBA teams, you know, go all in on the regular season, really mm-hmm. focus on it, you can see that that's what the Milwaukee Bucks did. They tend to sometimes slip up in a weird spot in the playoffs. Is is that a situation that could happen here? Absolutely, it could happen, but I, I think it's way less likely this year than it's been in year, uh, years past. Okay. Giannis has absolutely elevated his game. I feel like in this first round, so you got the one eight, which is uh, Milwaukee versus Pistons. I think yeah. that they're gonna, it, that's gonna go max of five games. Okay, all uh, right, very max. I feel like they're gonna run into more headwinds in the second round. Maybe though, because this Boston, uh, the four five is Boston Pacers, and Ooh. I. Here's the thing. So Gordon Hayward 
has been one of their biggest struggles all year, just getting back, and rightfully so. The guy snapped his leg on a basketball court. There's yes. a mental factor there. There's a physical factor there, and they're equally as strong. And the the mental factor might be even more strong. And it just we've talked about this throughout the year. And I even told you I remember uh, around Christmas time, or even earlier in the fall, I said let's give it to Christmas. If once we get to Christmas, then I was going to start worrying about where things were headed because it was just so discombobulated all year long. It really right. was. Do I have a lot of faith that they'll beat the, the Pacers? I do. I don't think there's going to be any problem with that. The thing about it is their X factor is still going to be Gordon Hayward. I don't know if you watched much of the very last games of the season of the Celtics, uh, but there was a game against Miami. I think it was like the third last game of the year where Gordon Hayward finally looked like old school, old school Gordon Hayward where he played in, in Utah where he was slashing, he was moving, mm-hmm. the offense was running through him. Now the concern there ends up being if the offense is running through him, how does Kyrie get in the game properly and make that happen? So there are a lot of factors there. But I feel like if they can continue to harness Hayward playing at a high level, they're going to be harder to deal with than teams may think. So we have Milwaukee advancing. We're going to say Boston advances. Boston's going to advance here, I think. Okay. And so that's an interesting matchup because from the limited NBA that I watch, so don't no one take me as an NBA insider. I'm not. Yep. Um, I did not see how Boston could defend anyone down low. Right. And Giannis seemed to give them a lot of trouble. Uh, they have the the Lopez. Is it Brooke? They got Brooke? Yep. So they got Brooke, who, I mean, obviously somehow turned into a three-point machine, which I don't understand. Um, and so that's the interesting matchup in that that second round, which we'll certainly dive more into. So we got the one and four advancing here. Yep. We're looking at – now, this is – for a non-NBA guy, the Brooklyn Nets are in the playoffs? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, that was the worst team. What was it like last year? They're the worst team. They've been the worst team for a long time. They might have had, they might have done the worst trade I've ever seen. Whenever they were like a year into their move to Brooklyn, where that was when they traded for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and all that, and they traded okay. away like eighty first round picks basically to the Celtics. <laughs> I mean, the Celtics have used those picks to rebuild their team like two or three times now. At this wow. point, I mean, really and truly, and they have. The Celtics have four picks in this year's coming draft. Oh, wow. So, And that'll finally settle out the Brooklyn thing. But there is just so many things going on there. The Celtics somehow have a pick that involves Andrew Bynum this year. <laughs> so, like, that's where they're at. And so, uh, but Brooklyn has quietly built a lot in the last probably eight to ten months. I think Joe Harris has had a really big resurgence in his career. He looks really good. The biggest factor there, man, is D'Angelo Russell, who the Lakers absolutely pissed on and sold for peanuts. The Lakers want to talk, we'll get to the Lakers here in a few minutes. The Lakers want to talk about, you know, trying to make this rebuild happen and all that shit. They've, they shipped out three all-star play, the players that end up being all-stars the following season for no wow. reason whatsoever. For Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo. Absolutely ridiculous. Wow. So, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking a look at the roster now. Uh, yeah, D'Angelo Russell jumps out at me. Um, Damari Carroll, I, he's making $15 million. I'm not sure if he's doing anything. Um, Former Dallas Mavericks. I was a huge Jared Allen fan yep. at Texas. I was shocked he went kind of, I wouldn't say slipped to the draft, but, you know, moved out of kind of the upper echelon. I think he was always a, you know, 6'11 kid that can move. Um, I, I mean, 
it just seems like a team that's got a lot of role players and they must have all figured out how to play together is my yeah. only thought. Spencer Dinwiddie's been really good too. I think, yeah, so that's ultimately what's going to happen, I think, here is that uh, Philadelphia is, they're going to win one game against Philadelphia ultimately. It's okay. gonna, it will depend on whether Embiid is playing. I haven't seen anything that indicates that he's not, but I haven't seen anything ind- indicating that he will. This would be somewhat of a series that you could rest him, I think, a little bit before you move on because and, I feel like, you know, Ultimately, if the Sixers aren't able to get him going or whatever, they're going to struggle really big down low with their defense. And Jimmy Butler's that's hit and miss. It feels like a lot of times. Yeah. So we got we got the Seventy Sixers moving on with or without Embiid. I'm sure they'll use him as they need him. I don't. I can't imagine we need to talk about this much. Toronto over Orlando, probably a quick move there. Yep. Give me the sweep there. Five five game series at longest. Yep. All right, so then we move. Now we move to the other, you know, a, a little interesting here. Uh, the Lakerless, LeBronless playoffs. Um, let's just hit on that real quick. Without LeBron, does this change how maybe, let's just say the common fan, you know, someone like yourself who's just, you know, a very seasoned NBA guy, yeah. you watch it a lot. You know, for a guy like me, I mean, I did tune into the NBA playoffs when, let's say, LeBron was down, you know, 2 1 in a series. Uh, does it change? anything for you i think it's a good thing here a little bit simply because it's not lebron versus the warriors again for the third year fourth yeah. year fifth year, you know that kind of thing i think that a lot of people will see it that way but i do think obviously lebron is one of the best players of our generation if if not the best player of our generation and that's a whole nother debate for another day but he adds that intrigue and he can really do anything except for be on the lakers it seems But, you know, I feel like that's not really going to matter because I feel like there's going to be good matchups here in the West. So we'll dive right into those real quick because I I think we need to come back to the Lakers here in a minute to talk about this. Sure. So we got Golden State advancing versus the Clippers. That's obvious. Uh, I mean, kind of shot, you know, Clippers top of the league to start the year, faltered off, you know, traded Tobias Harris. I think a couple other folks glad they still made it in. That's great experience for some young kids. I am very intrigued with Houston, Utah. I think both teams, you know, Houston, well, you correct me if I'm wrong, probably a disappointing year for them regular season-wise. Uh, but they got everyone healthy, to my knowledge, now. I mean, it, are they going to run away with that series? What's that going to look like? Well, Harden is doing things that is just unprecedented. I literally cannot make – I'm the biggest Giannis guy there is, but I, I have such a hard time – deciding on Giannis versus Harden for MVP this year. It's the closest it's been since that Nash year years ago. Like sure. it is really, really close. And James Harden has definitionally put this team on his back and they got to a slow start and everything, but they started to figure it out. I mean, they still won 50 plus games. They had a good year overall, but they, I mean, it's a lot of weird things. Like uh, a lot of people forget at one point, Mello played for the Rockets. <laughs> you know, like it's been a weird year and I feel like that's going to run out on them, but it's so hard to count James Harden out here is my thing. Okay. So that one's up for the grabs. So that'll be a fun series. It's going to be a good series. That's going to go further. Now the one, the only one I really have any strong feelings on, which uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Oklahoma city is going to run Portland out. Uh, Portland's got some injuries. Russ Westbrook needs to get the monkey off his back and finally win a series without KD. I think this is, you know, Paul George having a good year. I think this is a strong situation for Oklahoma City. 
you know, with injuries that Portland has to go in there and, you know, I would, I'm not sure if it'd be considered an upset, but an upset is six over a three. I think you nailed part of this on the head 100% in that the injuries, especially with Nurkic snapping his leg, that's the second snapping of the leg thing we've had to talk about today already. But <laughs> with that happening, that was so devastating. And right. uh, sidebar, horrible for those watching. I was actually watching that game. Uh, yeah. you, you know how I, I work as far as my hours go. I, I sleep like four or five hours a night typically. Like, it's really weird. And so, like, a lot of times I'll just be mindlessly watching, like, a Portland game because it's on the West Coast, right? <laughs> and, like, I was watching that when it happened, and, like, the noise of it was the worst part of it because you heard it throughout the arena. And obviously they didn't play the noise back, but it was brutal when it happened. And right. I feel like that, I mean, it just sucks. I mean, things like that suck the whole air out of the place. It does every time. And I feel like that's going to make it tough for Portland. Where I do think Oklahoma City is going to struggle, though, is Paul George hasn't been fully healthy for two months now. And he, his shot looks off. I don't hold that against him because he's, I mean, he stroked all year this year. He looked so good all year this year, but he's hurt. There, watch him, watch his shoulder. There's something in his shoulder. There's something in his fadeaway that doesn't look good. And okay. uh, so that would be the only thing that would make this a series, I would say. Okay, so we got two good series then here in the West for folks to tag into. J-Mac gave you some great things to watch. Paul George, you know, how does Portland handle the down-low presence without their guy? Um, so fun series there. Uh, moving right through, I I'm not sure uh, from what I know. I don't know how San Antonio even made it in, but good for them. Uh, can this be a series at all? I mean, can Pop really will this team to anything? So I'm going to actually predict a bit of an upset here. I'm wow. Say that San Antonio can we get, can we get the man on the keyboard to give us an upset? Absolutely. So I think, so a couple of things here. Denver all year long has felt to me like a beatable team. And I don't know why that is. It just doesn't feel like a Warriors workforce, uh, workhorse type team. It okay. feels beatable. And if there's anybody that could diabolically go in there and tear it apart from the coaching side, it's Greg Popovich. Now, I don't know that they have the tools to do it. I mean, without you know some of the, the firepower that they've had on offense, they struggled a little bit this year. But I still think that of anybody that could will somebody there, it's probably Pop. The thing about Denver is that I think my biggest prediction is going to be this summer for NBA free agency that they're going to land AD. Wow. Because I think that that's the perfect type of situation wow. where, where Nola doesn't want to trade to the Lakers. And right. if you th start looking at just the teams that have pieces, I mean, Denver's still got Michael Porter Jr. who's yet to have played basketball yet. They've got <laughs> Jamal Murray. They've got, you know, Jokic. They've got a lot of good pieces. But, man, like adding Anthony Davis to it would be electric. And having Jokic only solely concentrating on playing the five while you have Anthony Davis playing the four. And you probably have to move some more pieces around. I think they're a dark horse to make this happen. I would not be even remotely surprised. So I want to touch on that just for a moment. If you're saying, you know, I love the idea, kind of a dark horse team coming in. Obviously, a lot of young talent there in Utah um, or Denver. I apologize. Also in Utah, um, in Denver, you know, I, I, I'm a big Kentucky basketball fan. Jamal Murray, I loved his game going in the NBA. I think that'd be a guy that they'd want to target. Um, is that someone that Denver could lose and replace still? You know, that's what you're worried. You bring in a guy like Anthony Davis, plays a con completely different role. Can you lose a guy who could stretch the floor, you know, from the outside with Jamal Murray? 
would that be fitting still with their team or would that kind of hurt them? Uh, you, you tell me from a basketball standpoint how that would how that handle. Well, so, I mean, it's if you're New Orleans, I mean, you're pretty much starting over all the way around. Right. Sure. The thing about it is New Orleans already has Drew Holiday. So I don't know that Jamal Murray what? is going to be part of that deal. I just mean that they've got a lot of pieces okay. that they could that they may need to move around. And and Jamal Murray may be one of those pieces. I don't know. But I'm just saying that I think, I mean, New Orleans already does have Drew Holiday, who's absolutely electric. And they have Julius Randle, who they should resign. Another yep. player that the Lakers let go for no apparent reason whatsoever. And yeah. I just, I feel like if you don't want to trade to a big market team like the Lakers, the Celtics really probably aren't going to want anything to do with Anthony Davis. I really don't. I mean, dude, the that's all folks shirt was really weird, but man, he somehow managed to double down and make himself look like more of an asshole by saying that <laughs> someone else picked it out for me. I I was flabbergasted by that. I think I think it's kind of like a I, I don't have experience here, but like uh, people going through a divorce almost, where he is so done and so checked out. Probably there's probably a lot more that's happened between both the sides than we'll ever know. And I think it's to a point where, you know, you got to, it's maybe, maybe a more, uh, you know, relating is someone who, you know, you worked a bad job. Maybe you had a boss you didn't like, or you felt you were underpaid and you finally got to that last day where you knew, you know, it was your last day at that job. And you're like, I'm so checked out, you know, <laughs> I'm yeah. moving on no matter what, where you don't care what happens. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's maybe where he got to. So. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But I, I, and to be honest, I don't think that Pelicans fans have any problem with him leaving because sure. they haven't won with him there. Now, the team hasn't put the right pieces around him, uh, not for a lack of trying. I mean, the boogie thing, you know, a lot of stuff like that. But they haven't been successful with him being there. So I don't think it's as much of and, and you could you can talk to this, too. Like, it's not as much of like, will he leave or will he not? And whether that really impacts fans or not, they don't really give a shit. He's leaving. It doesn't matter. Right. But. I think where fans get pissed off, and I know I get pissed off, is when we do this whole song and dance of like, oh, I might stay. I might go. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing next year. Just say you're leaving, dude. Just say you're leaving. And then if you're going to wear a smart-ass shirt like that, just own it. Just yeah. own it. Don't be a fraud like that. It just it seems ridiculous. Now, my only thing with um denver would be what if, if you're the pelicans aren't you looking for an opportunity to bring in a top pick this year you know whether that's you know top five ten you know not the strongest nba draft that we've had but not as bad as the anthony bennett one either um yeah so what, wouldn't you be looking you know denver's probably not going to have a um a top pick for yeah. the foreseeable future so is that attractive i and you know i could be completely wrong maybe they had a trade where they have a top pick this year, but is that a situation? I think it's unique. What I'm trying to get at is I think it's unique when Anthony Davis only wants to really go to a contender, but does it really make sense for the Pelicans to trade him to someone where they're not going to get an elite, you know, young star back and they're not going to get a top draft pick. Does it kind of limit maybe what they're looking at in a team like Denver? So Denver actually does not have any draft picks this year at all. So that makes it pretty straightforward as far as dealing wow. with something like that. But, man, like, if you're New Orleans, right, Yeah, we don't know what Michael Porter Jr. is going to be. But, yeah. I mean, in this case, 
you trade him for at least something. If you can trade Anthony Davis, you try to get at least something. And you know how this goes. It's going to take less than people think it is to get this trade done. Yeah, and I would agree with that because at the end of the day, I mean, you're standing there going, well, unless Anthony Davis is re-signing with us on the trade, you know, we're kind of limited here on, on what we can give up without the uncertainty. And I think that's, you know, Boston had a lot of interesting comments on that saying, oh, we don't give a shit. Bring him in. Yeah. We'll, we'll take the one-year risk because we believe strong enough in our culture that once he gets here that either we'll be able to resign him or the one-year of Anthony Davis and the rest of the, the supporting cast is worth the one-year risk. Yeah. And, so and I think the thing, the important part about it is, and, and something that I've worried about the Celtics with, is making sure that you don't send this message that anybody's tradable. Because look at what happened with the Lakers. Whenever LeBron did that, yeah, blew up in his goddamn face, and rightfully so. And we'll again, we'll get into that in just a couple of minutes. But so we'll we'll take a, another prediction here, J Mac. We got you know obviously pretty strong field out of the West. Do you see anyone besides Golden State, or is that pretty much in hand? You'd say in hand, Golden State and five. Golden State, so they're going to be representing the West, the East. Obviously, a lot more interesting. Uh, where are you doubling down in the the East? It's more most likely going to be Milwaukee. I, all right barring, i'm going i'm saying toronto i think I, leonard I, I like what they got going on that team suffered so much in the past with early exits I, i'm i'm thinking toronto i think milwaukee just too much in the regular season i, I think they're going to falter at some point i'm going uh toronto and golden state all right we'll revisit this here in a couple of weeks well Love speaking it. of that moving on what did you think about the magic johnson thing dropping because it dropped on what was that tuesday night yeah, yeah, I think earlier in the week there, and I mean, have you ever seen someone look so happy to be not have a job? Boy, uh, I, so first of all, I think this is hilarious. The whole thing is hilarious because, and I've been saying this for quite some time now, that the Lakers have this thing where they feel like everybody wants to come to the Lakers because they're the Lakers. Right. Basketball doesn't work like that anymore. And basketball nope. hasn't worked like that for a while. And so your nope. guys like Magic or your guys like uh, Phil Jackson, those guys are dinosaurs to this game. You're George Carls of the world. These guys don't know how to assemble an NBA team. And the hell of it was, Magic wasn't even the GM here. That's true. That's an interesting point. So the he's president of basketball operations, and they had Rob Polinka underneath him who... It, I don't know if you watched much of that press conference. It was bizarre, some of the things that he said. But, hmm. uh, you know, to, to fill everybody in, Magic just basically quit. in the Like, right after a meeting, he walked out of and was like, oh, well, Jeannie Buss isn't going to like this owner of the team. I haven't even had a chance to tell her because I can't bear to tell her to her face, but I'm stepping down as president of basketball operations, which is a really shitty thing to do, right? Well, in that, and not to move off this, but the Luke Walton, them letting him go from what I read, and I think uh, Woj tweeted it out from ESPN that, I mean, it, it all seems like a disaster. Luke Walton's watching film or working with his assistants, and they walk in and tell him you're fired. It didn't sound like it was even in private. Um, it, it sounded like some promises may have been broken from uh, an agreement, and I mean, it's kind of to the point where you're almost like, God, we just got to start over here. I mean, yeah. and you can't because you got LeBron. Yep. LeBron's going to say he wants to compete. Magic, I, I think Magic was just like, God, I don't see how we get out of this. You know, LeBron's past his prime now. We 
we can't bring in – he maybe got a hint that they're not going to be able to bring in someone this summer and was like, I'm out. See, that's that's 100% what I think, too. I think that they are going to have a very, very tough time this summer bringing somebody in and a a couple of big stars. I don't think that's going to happen. They're going to bring in some lower-level list guys, but this LeBron thing is not going to end in a pretty manner. I can tell you that. Do you? Yeah, well, he's got Space Jam 2 coming out, J-Mac, so he's fine. Does he? I don't know that he's going to. Oh, I thought that was like a done deal. Well, I thought that was... I know it's a done deal, but they shell films and crap like that all the time. My thing is, sure. you we've talked about the Space Jam thing before, I'm pretty sure, but like you can't do Space Jam 2 wrong. It has no. to be perfect. has to be perfect. I think he needs to do it after his time, after his career is over, or maybe if you tear your ACL or something and you got a whole season to not do anything, whatever, yeah. but... It's kind of just alarming to me that he's able to – all the focus seems to be so far off the Lakers and winning. And I think he's, you know, hinted at it and said it too when he came there. I mean, this was more – the move to L.A. was more than just basketball Absolutely. for him, which is becoming more and more evident, and it's unfortunate for L.A. because they were hoping that it was going to be – for basketball reasons but the problem with that is that he's absolutely handcuffing a franchise and and a historic franchise at that and so it's it's a shame in a lot of ways because i hate the fucking lakers don't get me wrong but they don't (laughs) deserve that nobody deserves that and man i would be absolutely furious if lebron played for my team at this point i would be furious yeah and i think that's probably where a lot of laker fans are at right now so now they're looking at so they've walked Basically, Luke Walton, they usually agreed to part ways. So he was in a bad situation. That wasn't his fault. That's fine. He's gonna, You know where he's going to end up, I think, is with the Kings, and that's a fantastic landing spot. Hey, great for him. I think he's a great young coach. Obviously, a lot of buzz coming out of Golden State. The players loved him. Steve Kerr loved him. And Chris Davis just got his first hit of the oh, season. Live. Okay. Bases loaded. Scores two runs, and Baltimore is up 2-0 on the lowly Boston Red Sox. Hate to break your heart. Breaking news here coming through SLM as we're on air. Sorry about the breaking news, but wow. No, you're he good, is, man. He's grin to grin right now. I've never seen a bigger smile across someone's face who's making 20 mil a year. That is – I've never seen such a – well, I take that back. I, it's one of the most drastic drop-offs I've seen from a player. Uh, oh, they just called for the ball to the dugout. Like it was his first hit of the, you know, his, you know, the, <laughs> the, the AAA kid who's 27, spent his 10 years in the minors and gets his first hit. They just called for the ball. What? A, that's an insult. They better blow that ball up. If you want to, if you're doing this right, and I apologize that we're changing gears so quickly, but you better blow that ball up. You take it to whatever bar in Baltimore that's big baseball. You bring the whole team in there and you blow it up like the Cubs did to the, you know, the Moises Alou ball in the yep. corner. For sure, man. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how the Lakers play this summer. I'm, I'm so fascinated to watch it all just burn to hell. And I mean, the fact that they're about to bring Tyron Lou in there as the head coach is just a goddamn joke. Absolute joke. And it's L.A., man. It Everything's a production out there, and that's what we're seeing out of uh, the Lakers. I literally used to watch Tyron Lue pull the team together whenever he was in Cleveland. And, you know, he'd have the clipboard. He'd be drawing up the play. This is what we're going to do, you know, kind of showing everything. 
and I would literally watch LeBron look over, look at it, and just say, no, 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 that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do this. And everybody would just listen to him, and they'd go do that. And that's fine. But, like, that's you're the Los Angeles Lakers. That's who you're. That's what you're going to put up with? I don't understand why teams are letting LeBron do this. Nope. Like, he's a player. He's a player. He's not involved in basketball decisions, or he shouldn't be. And if he is, that's a problem. Because yeah. LeBron has torched every team he's been with to the goddamn ground. Yeah, he leaves them in worse shape than when he got there, which is um, not ideal at all. Not at all. Like, the, he was trying to get them to uh, Cleveland to trade their first-round pick the year he was leaving, and they were like, absolutely not, because you're probably going to leave. And that's what right. they should be saying. I just don't understand that, and I don't understand why they're letting that happen. Like this, that's not how this works. And just because you're LeBron James doesn't mean that things should be different for you. Like I don't give a like Kyle and I argue about this on the basketball show all the time. I don't give a fuck what you've done with other teams. I don't give a fuck how many rings you have. He has three rings of six. That's not that great. Is it? I thought it was three of seven. Is it three six? Of seven? You might be right. Yep. Regardless, he's got three rings. Is my point. He, yeah, like yeah, I think I think we may have forgot the San when he was like nineteen, the San Antonio, uh, you know, shutout that they had. Yeah, when, um, but yeah, but I don't, well, I just don't understand why teams let this happen. Is my point. I I don't either, and I probably something that it's hard to understand from the outside. I I would say it's probably a lot more internal than a lot of prom. It's kind of like politicians, you know, a lot of promises are made to get to the top, and then. You know, once they get there, it's like, oh shit, we gotta. Oh, we, we gotta, gotta fulfill gotta these. Damn. Damn it. Yeah. No, well, I mean, I get it. we've got a lot there on basketball. I know we have another major event going on right now, which uh, probably we got a lot of golf fans out there. The Masters has been happening. Beautiful Augusta, Georgia course there. Um, what a leaderboard, J Mac. I mean, we're heading into Moving Day here. You've got five guys tied at the top. Um, all of them are major champions. There's Louis Ustazen, Adam Scott, Brooks Kepka, uh, Molinari, Jason Day, and then right behind that's Tiger Woods, uh, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm. I mean, ha- could we have asked for a better golf weekend? Not at all. So I absolutely love the Masters. It is the is always the like signal that spring has started. No doubt about it. It's got the best feel there possibly is, unless you're watching it on ESPN. But uh, there's only one person I'm really watching here this weekend. That's Tiger. Absolutely, and uh, if for folks who didn't see it, maybe if you actually were working and not trying to check Twitter in the Masters like everyone else, a uh, security guard nicked. I, you know, I've watched this replay a lot. So Tiger shanked his drive. He's kind of you know off, off the first and second cut. You know, fans surrounded him. He plays a beautiful shot that gets to the green, and you know, fans are rushing and security's trying to hold him back, and a guy slips. And, you know, kind of does like a soccer both knee slide. And it just looked to me like, I mean, he maybe nicked the back of his heel, but then Tiger's limping, playing it out. Do you think it was a spectacle he was putting on there? Because to me, it looked like he was trying to just put on a show for that. A little bit of a spectacle. The guy definitely slipped, though. I watched that video a bunch of times, too, and I, I couldn't really decipher specifically, but it looked like he tried to catch himself and slipped at the same time and then kind of nicked the back of Tiger. But Tiger played right. the rest of the day just fine. The biggest thing with Tiger at this point is he just needs to make sure that he's making his putts because there were way too many easy missed putts in the first two rounds. And that's very true. And my only rebuttal to that is he had a couple yesterday that were just insane putts too that kind of even that out. And that's typically what you'll see with these guys where 
they'll miss those maybe the ones on the inside but then hit these absolutely you know, 20 30 feet ones we're like oh i mean you probably neither one of us could probably do it if we tried it a hundred times so um yeah if he can get the putting game down you know a lot of these that can be said for a lot of guys at augusta i mean putting there is a monster a beast and if you're putting downhill all weekend and you're trying to read those greens and the speeds it's a nightmare and especially on sunday the pin placements are always interesting mm-hmm. um and I, I can't be more excited. I don't think we're going to see anyone, you know, make a run from the bottom. That's typically what you you don't typically see that. I apologize out of that at Augusta. So I'm excited. I agree. I think that if anybody that knows that course the best, though, it's Tiger, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, that that's the point. That's his advantage. And yeah. he hopes for the craziest conditions. He hopes probably for crazy fast greens and ridiculous pin placement because, and that's what we talked about a little bit before the week is you listen to these guys, they'll talk about maybe what not to do at Augusta rather than what they want to do because you need to know where not to hit it to put yourself in a bad situation, and Tiger knows that best. There's a uh, book called Miracle at Augusta by – Oh, I'd have to look. I can't remember the t- the author. It's right on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, it's absolutely worth a read sometime. Okay. Um, it's it's you, I read it on the beach, like on a vacation type of thing, and it was a perfect like beach read kind of thing. And, sure. Uh, it's a James Patterson book, and the best part about it is the description of every single hole at Augusta, and it talks so much about the greens, and it has little illustrations of the the green like ridges and the right. You know everything. It was, it was a really, really cool like book. It's a quick read. Definitely worth a, a recommendation there. Yeah, and, and the fun part to your point, kind of the greens and how they play is, you know, guys like Vern Lundquist. Some of these announcers know them just as well, and you, you'll listen and go, "Hey, the guys have been missing this right all day." You know, th- there's a ridge right there. He's not reading the ridge. Like mm-hmm. they can see it before the putt, and just to have that knowledge from guys like Tiger is invaluable and that's why you see a lot of kids struggle maybe in the you know the nerves and you just start going gosh am i reading this wrong you double guess yourself so uh definitely a book for fans to go check out but i think we're just in for an absolute treat these next two days i'm excited man i'm definitely excited to get out and watch more of it it always makes me want to get out and play golf which is always great too so now that the weather's kind of uh well i would say sprucing up it's a rainy day here in dallas today but uh, (laughs) aside from that it's going to uh, – it's always a great weekend, and it's kind of the, the kickoff of golf. We have, like, a, another major, like, a month away, which is awesome, too. Yeah, I, it, the run of these, they seem to just fall back-to-back on each other a couple weeks apart, but uh, there's nothing more exciting than watching uh, absolutely all these majors, the four. They just run into each other, and to see kids come out of nowhere who you haven't heard of before, you know, guys like you know Brooks Kafka a couple years ago, people really didn't see – turning into this and, and that's what you get out of these is guys make their whole career just by winning one major right absolutely i mean danny willett won a you know won it at, at the the master oh, before you know well, so, i mean it just as, i would say jordan spieth lost it but yeah right, yeah danny willett benefited yes <laughs> what did he put two in the drink in a, in a row something like that oh my god he he refused to lay it up i mean it's he, he, sometimes you just look at these guys go 
the aggressiveness is what gets them there and what wins these tournaments for them. But sometimes you just want to hit them over the head and go, Yo, just lay it up. You don't need to win by four. Yeah, exactly. And I think that w- he was trying to create breathing room there and got too aggressive. But Ab- absolutely. Regardless, it, it does a little bit stink to have Jordan Spieth not in the thick of it. I mean, he's not too far off. Last I saw, I haven't looked at the leaderboard since we got on the air, but. Um, yeah, I think he. What did he end minus one yesterday? Uh, yeah, ended minus one. He's plus one through six today. So, yeah, uh, probably a pretty long shot to get anywhere oh, near. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's the a shame to see though. from there. It's a shame to see. Yeah. Does seven under for the leaders seem like a really like? Is it doesn't usually get that low, right? It's usually like a three four under, just given how hard the course is for the win, right? Well, I don't think – I think the minus sevens kind of right in the range. I think it's the amount of guys at this that is more alarming. I, I Usually, typically, I think you'll see minus 11. You know, if you're shooting minus 11 for the tournament, you're probably going to win it in a good spot. Uh, so I'm going to be interested today to see if anyone – you know, how it shakes up. Do we see guys start to, you know, change? The reason we're seeing these low numbers where conditions were perfect. I mean, you know, they had some rain earlier in the week. The course was, from what guys were saying, the greens weren't playing as fast as what they're nor- normally used to. And so that kind of opens the door for guys who who maybe aren't on that elite tier. And that's why guys like Tiger love the fast greens because it's an advantage to them, uh, the upper echelon guys. Uh, and just looking at the numbers so far today, you know, a lot of guys shooting even, plus one type of deal. Not a lot of, you know, you know, under pars for guys so far today so i think we may see uh you know some plus ones plus two and if you're a guy that can at that minus seven mark you can you know shoot maybe a 70 today that could really put you in a position in the past 17 years six of the masters have been won in a playoff wow that's a big number yeah i kind of thought so too that's a pretty big number i mean the most recent one i remember was bubba when he won his sergio Oh yeah, Sergio too. Oh gosh, I forgot about that. That that was a weird one. I did not. I and that's the interesting part. Sergio's not a good putter. No, I mean, no. and that's why when you suddenly do get just halfway decent or hot on your putting, a guy like him can just take advantage of that course. And I mean, with Patrick Reed last year, oh my god. I mean, it seemed like that guy couldn't miss with the putter. It was like a video game. Yeah, seriously. It, it, it was seriously like when you're playing Tiger Woods golf on xbox and you got a 40 foot putt and you could make it on the video game but that's what he looked like it was as if someone was controlling him from an xbox controller almost that's what it felt like seriously it really did so more to come excited to talk about the fallout of the masters next week and what that looks like going forward Um, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up we want to remind everyone hey give us a call we want to talk to you guys we want to hear your thoughts leave us a message at the slm number that number is 972-885-9361 uh, just let us know uh, which show you're calling about, and what you want to talk about, and we'll make sure to hash those things out, talk your opinions, all that kind of stuff. So make sure to give us a call. Make sure to follow us on social media. SensiblyLoud.com is the website, at SensiblyLoud for the Twitter handle, and at SensiblyLoud on Instagram as well, and SensiblyLoud Media on Facebook. So check us out. JB, it's been good talking with you, and we'll see you next week. Absolutely. Keep it PC.